his letter to the Colossians, uh, he was in prison in Rome. I wonder if you were to write a, a letter from prison, what would it include? Uh, mine would be, help, help, uh, please send me a file in the birthday cake. Uh, but he had been in prison for quite some time, uh, one prison or another, and he was in prison because of his commitment and his zeal uh, for the good news of Jesus. We learned from one of his other prison epistles, uh, Philippians, that he was waiting on news whether he was going to be executed or not. Any day, any hour, they could have come in and said, your case has finally been heard by the emperor and your sentence is either life or death. When you're facing the executioner's sword, I would imagine that it has a way of clarifying your thoughts. But Paul, he had a singular focus that the gospel might go forth and that people might be saved. And so he's writing this letter to the Colossians church, Colossian church, a church he'd never been to before, uh, people he had never met. And as he begins to finish his, uh, his letter, he enlists them to become his prayer partners. He's going to tell them of how important prayer is and then ask them to pray for him. And so we have two points this morning. Prayer is vital to the Christian life. Now, there are about a thousand words we could put in for vital. Crucial would be one. Uh, Non-negotiable. Uh, mandatory. Uh, the, the very breath of the Christian life the way we talk to God, the way we fellowship with Him. But prayer is vital to the Christian life. Second point will be, and prayer is vital to missions. All right, first point. I encourage you, I exhort you to make prayer a vital part of your life. Verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We have similar commands throughout Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 17, the one we read for the children, pray without ceasing, or as another version says, pray continually. Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Jesus told them a parable in Luke 18.1 to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. They, that we, might be like the persistent widow continually coming to the Lord. And so here we have the phrase, continue steadfastly. That's a kind of a tough phrase. What does it mean to continue steadfastly? Well, it, these two words translate one Greek word, which means to give constant attention to something. To give constant attention to something. We had to take a pool safety class in order to become um, provisional foster parents. And for an hour, you know what we learned? You should watch your children at the pool. That was the one takeaway. Watch your children. That's what you do. You're giving constant attention to your children or to your grandchildren at the pool. Because to not do so opens to danger. In the Christian life, we are leaving ourselves wide open to danger. Wide open to temptation. Wide open to moral failure. Uh, does, uh, not even to speak of the many blessings we're missing 
of a blessed marriage, right? Blessed relationship with others, reconciliation with other people, growth in God's grace, strengthening our faith. We open ourselves to tons of, of, of danger and miss many blessings because why? We miss God. When we pray, we are communicating with, we are fellowshipping with the God who made all things. And we are reminded here to give constant attention to prayer. Now, when you're at the pool, you might be doing other things. You might be opening up a popsicle. Uh, you, You might even be talking to a friend. But throughout the whole time, you have a spirit of giving constant attention to those children. And that's the kind of attention that we are called to give to prayer. It is often our practice to treat prayer like we treat the temperature gauge on our dashboards. Did you know that you have one of these on your dashboard? You know, the only time I look at it is if I hear the ding and the light shows up and says my car is about to overheat. That's a lot of times how we treat prayer. That the warning light of life has come on. That some pain has come before us. Okay, now I really need to pray. Rather, we're supposed to give constant attention to prayer, just like we're meant to give constant attention to another dial on your dashboard, the speedometer. And when we don't give constant attention to that dial, that leads to danger as well. We are called to give constant attention to it and to be watchful in prayer. What does it mean to be watchful in prayer? It means to be in constant readiness to use it. Constant readiness to use it. Think about that pool again. A good lifeguard right, is giving constant attention to the children in the pool. And from this position, he is watchful. He is ready without a second hesitation to blow his whistle and jump in to save someone. And so too, we are to have this spirit of giving constant attention to prayer and being watchful in it that when issues, when things, when, uh, when problems, when people, when issues in our lives come forward, we are ready like that lifeguard to jump in with his float. That we might jump in to prayer. You know, we find ourselves all the time in situations that need prayer, don't we? Think about all the people that you interact with on a daily basis that need prayer. You know how many people are lonely in this country? You know how many people are lonely in this country who still have people around them? People who have no real meaningful relationships. How many people do you know that are having marriage problems? Or that you suspect are having marriage problems? How many people do you know that if they died right now, they would go to hell instead of heaven? How many people do you know that simply need hope? Or have broken relationships, wayward children, orphans and widows in our community, or neighbors that we've never met? I wonder if we believe if prayer works. Sometimes I wonder if I do when I look at the amount of time and attention I give to prayer. Prayer is the bringing of our supplications before an almighty God who is our Father and desires to hear from us. In war, at night, a guard will be set. A guard will be set. And the guard 
will be armed. He is a watchful guard, and it is an armed watchfulness. And when a threat arises as he is watchful, giving constant attention to the perimeter, he uses his weapon. Our watchfulness in prayer is an armed watchfulness. Because at our ready, available for our use at any time, is a direct line, not to some battalion HQ back way there, but to the God who sits enthroned on the clouds and who holds a scepter of justice. He alone is the one who can melt hearts. He can save any marriage. He can heal any person. He can right any wrong. And we are His children, always welcome before Him. Continue steadfastly, giving constant attention to prayer, being watchful in it, that we might uh, uh, process everything in our lives through the grid work of praying for it. And thirdly, with thanksgiving. You know, saturating our prayer lives with thanksgiving is so vitally important. Let me tell you a few reasons why. First, it is right to give thanks to God. It is right to give thanks to God. Why? Because every good and perfect gift comes from God. We have nothing that is good that is before us that came from our hand. Not a one thing. Nothing we have came from us. It all came from the Lord Jesus Christ. You have clothes on your back. If you have a car that you drove in, if you have power at home and water running through your pipes, guess who is to thank? Not the power company, not Walmart for your clothes, not Pete Chevrolet for your car. Jesus. And so He is the one we give thanks to. When someone does something nice to you, for you, what do you, what do, you do? What are you supposed to do? You send them a thank you note. What are we to do when God blesses us? Which He does all the time. Even the breath in our lungs. We give Him thanks. It is good and right to give thanks to God. Second, thankfulness is the fuel of prayer. Thankfulness is the fuel of prayer. When we give thanks to God, rehearsing in our minds and upon our lips the many blessings which we have received, it increases our faith. It increases our faith. Thankfulness keeps us going back to the Lord because we are reminded of everything He has done for us. Do you know what a carburetor does? Carburetor, we don't have them in modern cars, uh, but you have it on your lawnmower or your lawn guide does. A carburetor is something that mixes fuel and air. Fuel and air is mixed together in the carburetor that it can then go into the cylinder, be ignited, and drive the piston, and then the crankshaft. If that's wrong, then forgive me. I'm pretty sure that's right. Now, you know what happens when, when the mixture is not right? Your engine doesn't work well. If it cranks at all, if it's a lean mixture, if you don't have enough fuel in that carburetor, guess what? It leads to a lack of power. A prayer life without thankfulness is anemic. A prayer life without thankfulness is powerless. Because thankfulness is the fuel for the Christian prayer life. Well, is anybody happy with your prayer life? No. We all know we need to pray more. So my goal this morning is not to beat you upside the head and remind you of how terrible a prayer warrior you are, right? I just look in the mirror for that. Let's talk about some practical steps. What can we do 
to increase our prayerfulness? Well, the first, I would say, is start with thanksgiving. You know that little bulb on a, on a weed eater that you have to press in the priming bulb? See, if you, if you go to start your weed eater without priming it, it just won't start. You have to prime it, and you have to put the choke on. Uh, thankfulness is like the priming bulb. If we don't know what to pray, if we can't get our minds wrapped around, okay, what do I say next? Start with thankfulness. And you'll find that that leads to other things. Second, read the Psalms. If you need help with prayer language, if you can't remember what to pray, or or perhaps you're having such a hard day that you can't even pray. You've been there before? I have. Run to the Psalms. And let the prayers of God's people, His inspired Word, guide you in your prayers. Third, Commit to praying first and foremost for your family. Start there. Start there. I remember I heard a holiness preacher on the radio many years ago. I'll never forget what he said. He said, if you're not praying for your children, then it's likely nobody is. Uh, I started praying a lot harder for my kids that day. And finally, practically, buy you a pile of sticky notes. I'm not even kidding about this one. You know you have lots of clean space on your dash in your car. Mess it, mess it up. Lots of sticky notes. Now don't read them while you're driving, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but put them on, the, on your dashboard. Put them on, the, on your bathroom mirror. Put them by your door as you go out. Not a ton of things. Start with a few things. If you're faithful in, in a few things, God will help you be faithful in the bigger things. Start small. Pray for your family. Pray for your church. Which leads us to our third, uh, our, our second main point, which is pray for our missionaries. So prayer is vital to the Christian life, and it is vital for missions. It is vital for ministry. In, in verses 3 through 4, Paul is going to shift gears from uh, talking about prayer in general to asking for prayer for Timothy and himself and his missionary team. We read there, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Prayer is vital to the church and to missions and ministries. In fact, there have been over the years always so-called ministries and so-called churches that have lacked power and conviction simply because the people and the leaders became convinced that they could carry out the mission of God without actually involving God. That's what happens when we go through ministry, when we fulfill our service without prayer. If we truly believe that God is the only one who can give the growth, then we need to beseech Him for that growth. On our knees, fasting, and earnestly praying with perseverance, giving constant attention to, being watchful in, and with thanksgiving, beseeching Him for that growth. A prayerless ministry is no ministry at all, because it relies not on God, but on man. And God will not be mocked. He is a jealous God, and He will not share the credit. As we think about Paul's request for prayer, I want to use the remainder of our time to encourage you to become prayer warriors, not just for your families. Do that. 
Not just for your finances, do that. Not just for your marriage, do that. But also for this church, but especially for our missionaries. We send every one of them a monthly check. But if you asked them, I bet they would say to a man and to a woman, send us your prayers first. Why is that? Because it's only the Lord God Almighty who can make someone who is spiritually dead alive. It's what He did for you. He sent forth His Holy Spirit, regenerated your heart, calls you to call upon the Lord. And do you know who did that? It wasn't the person who shared the gospel that the Lord used it. It wasn't the Bible that was before you, though He used it. That's His Word. It was the Holy Spirit who did it, using those things. We support a man named... Bradley Cordell. Let me back up. I said that the Bible didn't do it. It does. The Bible is, is, is amazing, and it's God's Word, and it's one of the main tools as the Holy Spirit uses it to, um, to convict us of our sin and to show us our need for Him. We support a man named Bradley Cordell. He, uh, he coordinates a lot of our denomination's efforts to help the church in Ukraine. It's amazing how the Lord brought him back to the States about a year or two before of the Ukrainian war began. And we all wondered, how's, how's this going to work? How are you going to continue your ministry from Birmingham? And God was perfectly positioning him to coordinate most of all of our denomination's efforts to send humanitarian relief and aid to Ukraine. And so I asked him, how have you seen prayer work in your ministry? He told me that while he was still in Ukraine, he had poured into a man named Mikola, for three years he met with him. Three years he met with this guy, sharing the gospel. And he said he prayed for him hundreds of times. But he was just dead spiritually and seemed to have no interest in the things of the Lord. You've, you've met those people, right? There's no hope for such people, except there is. Because Jesus is in the business of making dead people alive. And after three years, slow. this is what he said. He said, uh, then after all those meetings, slowly interest grew and at some point, he became a believer. God brought um, Bradley home to the States where he's coordinating things from here. Do you know where Mikola is? He's in Ukraine, seven years later, walking with Jesus, serving the local church in a war-torn country, all because of prayer. Paul specifically asks for people to pray that God may open for us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ. One of the things that's really clear in the Greek is it is God who must open the door. When, we mean, when, we, when he prays for this, he's asking for opportunities. Opportunities to, to share the, the love of Jesus, for the gospel to go forth, those divine appointments. But do you remember where he was when he wrote it? Prison. Note which doors he didn't pray to be opened. Isn't that amazing? I, I might have asked for that. Paul didn't. He asked for open doors, open opportunities for the gospel to go forth. And God answered those prayers. In Philippians 1, 12-13, which is another of his prison epistles, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. The guards who are under the direct care and supervision of the emperor now knew the gospel. And so all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Don't you know that those guards who were chained to Paul got so tired of hearing the gospel? Until they didn't. Until they delighted 
to hear the good news of Jesus. Don't you know that as much as Paul talked to those guards chained to him about Jesus, he had been talking to Jesus about that guard a lot more. Jerry Martin, our missionary who's now in South Hall, um, tells the story of how the Lord opened doors when he was serving in Uganda. During his time there, Jeremy was in charge of reaching or of helping the Presbyterian effort to minister to the refugees who had fled from um, Sudan, which was in civil war, over the border into Uganda. Now, Uganda is not exactly a prosperous country. And basically overnight, there were 1.5 million refugees. And so God's church mobilized, helping any way they could. And one day, Jeremy says, there was no more money. There just simply wasn't any money. And at that exact time, don't you love how God does that? At that exact time, I'm sure it was a coincidence, uh, somebody approached him about caring for another set of widows, orphans, and children. But don't you know I'm out of money? I don't have any money to buy provisions. There's no money for food or health care. There's, there's no money for ten roos in order to build you a shack to live in. There's nothing. So what do you think they started doing? They started to pray. Now, what happened was a surprise to Jeremy. That's what he tells me. But it was not a surprise to the Ugandan and Sudanese pastors who had seen God do this time and time again. So they started praying. He went home despondent, dejected, and he prayed. And somebody called and said, I'm going to give you a three-to-one matching grant. Any donations, we'll match three-to-one. Well, that's great. But there weren't any donations. Next thing you know, someone called him from the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, which is an American denomination, great denomination. He didn't know anybody in the OPC, not a single one. Someone from the denomination called him and said, I'm sending you a check for 20 grand. End of that day, they had $80,000 in order to minister to these, uh, these refugees. Now, now this, is, this is cool. Praise God for this. With that money, the Lord opened such a door that not just houses were built, not just schools built, not just food bought, not just medical clinics uh, built, but churches. And as the churches were built and the gospel went forth, open doors, right? Open doors. As the gospel went forth, do you know what happened? Men who had been fighting each other, trying to kill each other on the other side of the Sudanese border, it was a civil war, were converted, reconciled, and worshipped together. All because of prayer. As a missionary, Paul was focused on the gospel to go forth and that lives might be transformed and that it be presented clearly. He prayed, he asked for prayer for that he would present it clearly, and over in Ephesians chapter 6, he asks twice that he might preach it with boldness. You want to know how you can pray for your pastor? I got lots of things. But but top of the list: boldness and clarity. Boldness and clarity. We should pray for boldness for our missionaries too. Why? Why should you pray for boldness for your missionaries? Because there are strong headwinds that keep them from doing so. And chief amongst those headwinds is that great lion, Satan himself, who uses evil men to attack missionaries and their families and pastors. Pray that the Lord would protect them from spiritual warfare, that they may be bold, that they may be clear. Freddie Basel tells me in 1986, the Lord used prayer of one man to protect Freddie and his household from spiritual warfare 
through terrorists. They were down in Peru, and it had been a rough season. Things weren't going well. Freddie was really sick. Eventually, they had to come off the field. When they got back, Freddie visited his doctor, who had been a longtime supporter and prayer partner. As they got talking back and forth, as these stories come out sometimes, his doctor told him about several years ago, after they had just gotten there, there was this one time where he could not get off the floor for 30 minutes as he was so burdened in prayer for Freddie and his family. John was four years old. And as they got to talking, you know what was going down on in Peru? There was a terrorist group who had been planning an attack on the town and on the Boswells. And God used that prayer to protect the Boswells until they could get out. And you know when they got out, you know what happened? That group attacked the town. But God used that prayer to protect the Boswells and get them home. All because of prayer. Pray that our missionaries would uh, be used by the Lord to get out the message in boldness in face of opposition and in clarity that it might be understood across cultural lines. And sometimes when we pray, God answers, but not in the way we want, but something far better. Praise God for that. Doug McNutt, one of our missionaries who uh, is the president of Trinity Center for World Missions, they train pastors in Africa. He said during a recent trip in July, they had a series of crusades, you know, nighttime revivals that were going to lead up to the planting of a new church. The last night arrived, you know, the most important one. And the preacher got up to preach and they looked in the horizon and there was a big old storm cloud. So all the pastors, you know, they're all up on the stage, you know. They all start praying, Lord, keep that storm cloud away so the preacher can preach, so that it might go out in boldness and clarity. And you know what God said? It's going to rain. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained hard on that preacher. So he preached louder and longer. And people were so impressed that he would preach in the rain that the next day when they started the, the, the new church, you know how many people came? A hundred. All because of prayer. I love how Gloria emails out each week with the church bulletin any recent updates from our missionaries. Have you noticed that in your emails? If you don't get the church emails, let us know. It's, it's a mistake. We need to add you to it. But she'll, any, anything we've gotten recently, she'll send back out. So we might pray specifically. We should pray generally for our missionaries. That's a good thing. But when we know specific needs, we should pray specifically. Kate Beale tells the story of what happens when you pray specifically and when you pray specifically for a long time. Um, she tells the story of uh, a um, 17-year-old new teacher um, 14 years ago that came to their deaf school in Renosa. And y'all, she was terrible. She was a thorn in everybody's side, that teacher. Myra just made everybody's life miserable. And so they committed as a staff to pray for her, about her, and she even said over her. I wonder how those prayers went, praying over her. The Lord would change her heart. Fourteen years later, do you know what Myra's doing now? She's the principal, and she's the best one they've ever had, all because of prayer. Last story I have. By the way, I have a stack of them on my desk. I'm going to be sharing these on Wednesday nights as we have time. Um, Sean Miller, our missionary down in the Caribbean uh, with Child Evangelism Fellowship, talks about what happens when you pray for specific things. Um, Sometime this summer, they had a recent work team come down to Turks and Caicos in the Caribbean uh, to work at a school to run a Bible 
vacation Bible school kind of thing. The problem is all their passports got messed up. And, you know, if you don't have a passport, you can't go. That's pretty much one-to-one correlation. And so they started praying. Well, the first thing, praise God, uh, Senator Tuberville was able to get that, the, the passports worked out. They were able to spend the night, you know, somewhere last minute to get it done. I think New Orleans. But they still didn't have their visas. And that's problematic. And so it just so happened that as, uh, as Sean was outside the school where they were going to be working, he had gone down early to get things ready. It just so happened. Right. Uh, maybe God answered prayer. I think that's what happened. You know, how often are we surprised when God answers prayer? Uh, all the time. You know, it turns out this thing actually works. Um, that as he was staying outside of school, a, mother, a grandmother came to pick up her child. She, and she walked up, and do you know where she worked? Just, just a coincidence. At the Turks and Caicos Immigration Office. So the next day, when... The next day! Talk about faith. <laughs> Flying down there, not know if it's sorted out or not. The next day, when they arrived in Turks and Caicos, they had it so good, they got to go through the foreign dignitaries line through immigration. right? All because of prayer. All because of prayer. We pray for small things. I think we pray too small. We need to pray bigger. We really do. Pray for whole lives to be changed. For those who seem like there's no hope for, that not only their lives, but the whole families would be changed. That whole communities would come to know Jesus. That revival would hit our streets. Pray boldly, knowing that God hears you. So what's the takeaway? Prayer is a vital part of the Christian life, and it is, it is vital to the spread of the gospel. So pray for your church, pray for your pastor, pray for your missionaries. And all this is possible because of Jesus Christ. It's ultimately not prayer that does it, but the Lord who does it. He's the one that gets the glory. He delights in answering prayer. And do you know what also he delights in? Saving people. He delights it when people come to know Jesus. Delights in it. In fact, Luke 15 says there's a party of angels when people come to know Jesus. One sinner repents. If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is there anything that would keep you from doing so today? Either here or on Facebook. Is there anything that would keep you from becoming a Christian today? See, there there is a day of judgment coming. Uh, We pretend like there's not. But you know it in your heart. God said He's written it on your heart, whether you're a believer or not. And we will give answer. Every man, woman, boy, and child to the King of kings and Lord of lords. For every believer, Christ has answered for our sins. Already. It's already happened. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has answered in Christ for our sins. But every unbeliever will have to answer on his or her own. But Jesus offers today is an offer that will maintain until every day that is called day Remains, But one day it will be taken away when Christ returns or you die. And until then, it is not too late. And it is to call in the name of Jesus. Because the same Bible that tells us there is effectiveness in prayer is the one that says the reason there is effectiveness in prayer is because our Savior, our mediator, our advocate stands before the Father praying for us. Pray to Him that He might save you as we eagerly await the day when our prayers turn into praise. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for prayer. Help us to be more thankful for prayer. That we might be prayer warriors. And then when we get to heaven, we'll be able to rejoice with you with all the people that you have brought with us. All because of those hours on our knees. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. We finish with a great hymn about missions as we move.